1: Yes, sir. We're right back at it. Double time this week here at All Eyes on Cleveland, the podcast. I'm your host, Brad Ward. Mikey's on the ones and twos. We got a good one for you here tonight. Special guest, Mike Chico Borman, host of Chico After Dark, Monday through Friday, 7 p.m. to midnight on 92.3 The Fan. I am a huge fan of his. He will come on the show Uh, We will talk uh, Browns uh, Among other things Uh, Very good interview know you will enjoy it thoroughly uh, As we do always Right about this time on this show Interviewing all of the intriguing And interesting personalities In the Cleveland sports landscape Then we'll come back after the interview And I will get into Three major topics tonight The most difficult and pivotal stretch On the Browns' schedule Plus Why Scottie Pippen Has no right to be pissed About the last dance And finally, a new onside kick rule gained steam at the owners' meetings. We'll get into it all. Do you like it? Do you not? I know you like this. You start getting excited. It's all eyes on Cleveland. And there it is. We are right back at it. Uh, All Eyes on Cleveland, the podcast, can be listened to, where all popular podcasts are found, including iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, Radio.com, and Google Play will be published tomorrow morning at USA Today sports media groups, the Browns. Wire.com. Keep an eye always on the BrownsWire.com as Jeff Risen just pumps out content there. Anything you need to know about the Browns, it's there all the time. Plus, uh, I write there as well. Uh, you'll have an article coming up here this weekend. So look for that. You can follow the show on Twitter at All EyesOnCleve, CLE. C-L-E. Um, and, uh, of course, you can go to the website, which is www all eyes on Cleveland. Special guest tonight, Mike Chico Borman, one of my favorite. Chico is the best. Uh, hosts uh, Chico After Dark at ninety two point three. The Fan uh, five hours. Uh, he covers by himself. Takes a special talent to do that. Uh, he's our guest tonight. Uh, it's a great interview. Know you will enjoy it. We're gonna come back, as I said, talk Pippin, uh, for a minute. He's bitching about, uh, The Last Dance, the documentary. Uh, and I'm gonna tell you why, uh, he doesn't really have much of a reason to bitch. Maybe he does, but not as much as he is. Uh, we're gonna go over the most pivotal stretch in the Brown schedule. Uh, I know uh that will be intriguing for you and then of course uh the on-site kick rule could change it's gaining some steam i'm not sure how i feel about that we will discuss the potentials there uh you are listening to all eyes on cleveland i am brad ward mikey's here on the ones and twos had uh a, a wonderful chat here with uh, the one and only Mike Chico Borman of 92.3 The Fan. We're going to get you to that interview without any further ado. We'll come back afterwards and hit those three major topics plus anything else that comes to my mind in that amount of time. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the interview. Uh, Chico was kind enough to give us his time and he is a uh, uh, special talent and a wonderful interview, and we appreciate him coming on the show. Uh, here is myself and Chico, uh, talking Browns, talking Cleveland sports. Uh, we'll come back after this and, uh, get down in even further into the, uh, the muck, uh, when we get back. So enjoy this interview with Mike Chico Borman of 92.3, The Fan. I am elated to welcome to the show tonight a very special guest. I am a huge fan of his work, and uh, we are uh, lucky to get him. Uh, He is Mike Chico Borman, host of Chico After Dark, Monday through Friday, 7 to midnight, at 92.3 The Fan, and you can follow him on Twitter, at Chico923TheFan. Definitely a good follow. How are we doing uh, uh, tonight, Chico?
0: Brad, I'm doing good, man. I don't know if I'm worthy of that kind of introduction, but uh, I appreciate it, and certainly appreciate you know you listening, and uh, and yeah, very uh, you know very excited. Hopefully to get back some sports here in the near future, but uh, it's been it's been kind of a, a a weird couple of months for sure, no doubt about that.
1: Uh, Strangest of our lives probably um to be honest is you know really weird or at least uh, my adult life i would think uh how 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 are you uh handling all that you know do you like you're, you're getting to work from home right i would assume um that's a nice thing right
0: yeah we're doing uh we're doing the show from uh from home uh each of uh each of the the shows whatever it's believe it or not like i I really like going into the station, um, and it's easier. It's easier from a, uh, you know, just from a logistics standpoint because you have everybody right there. Um, it can be kind of, you know, I, obviously it's it can be done, but you know when you when you're not there seeing somebody personally, or you know, let's say I'm filling in. Uh, for somebody and doing a show with Dustin like I did earlier in the week like normally you know we can see each other and you can kind of okay you go or you know you have something you want to say or, you know what I mean like you can you can kind of see those things happening so it's it's been a little bit more challenging um, you know I, I'm anxious to get back and, and see some people I never thought I'd say that <laughs> but yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah I'm anxious to get back in studio and Hopefully we'll be able to do that, but uh, certainly there's bigger uh, bigger problems out there, so I'm just grateful to be able to talk sports and, and uh, hopefully get through this with the folks.
1: Yeah, so, you know, I've had, uh, you know, my show is called All Eyes on Cleveland. We've had quite a few of, uh, you know, we had uh, uh, Peter Lynn on, um, and then we had, uh, you know, Ken Carmen two weeks ago. And I saw that you just interviewed, and I listened to the interview actually with Nick Shook, and he's been on quite a few times. So, um, uh, good stuff That I enjoyed your interview with Nick. Nick's one of the best, so, um, you're, uh, always been a fan of your show. I enjoy your, uh, I used to tweet you all the time about your, uh, tre your translator it was one of my favorites that you <laughs> did. That's right. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoyed that one very much, so. Um, but we'll get we'll get into some Browns here a little bit. Uh, you know, just uh, uh, you know, it's not as current as some of the stuff we're going to talk about tonight. But I want to hit on it because I, I have you. So, you know, impressions of the new front office, and you know, were you happy with? I mean, I would think you'd be pretty happy. Most people have, but were you happy with uh, uh, fr- free agency? Draft. Uh, any, any? issues with anything that went on there?
0: Yeah, I think.
1: Um,
0: boy, it's it's hard to to poke holes or find anything. Not to like uh, so far what uh, Andrew Berry and and Paul De Podesta and Kevin Stefanski uh, have done. Um, you know, we we feel. <laughs> you always feel like we need to knock on wood or cross our fingers when we say that because you know we've we felt similarly with you know some other regimes and maybe that was more just you know wishful thinking but these guys uh, the one thing that stands out to me and i've said this many times on the air is that you know andrew barry is just i mean he's very very sharp very organized uh uh, very much a, a people person um you know and and you can just you can just tell that you know there's a certain calm and everything's under control, you know type uh, type personality. And I think that you know when you go through the years and you know John Dorsey, I, I've always I've always been a fan of Dorsey's. Like I think he's a great talent evaluator. But the bottom line is this: um, you've got to be able to work together in that front office. You've got to have collaboration, which was ironically, you know, Freddie Kitchen's buzzword last year when he got hired. And and it was anything but collaboration. So I just feel like for the first time in a long time, maybe since they've been back, I don't even know if you want to go back that far, that you finally have a group that, you know, they're on the same page. Um, And that doesn't mean they agree on everything, but they're all willing to work together and that is important. I mean, there's we can criticize Jimmy Haslam for a lot, but that that is something that he has preached uh as far as harmony and everybody working together. I finally feel like we have that and I think you saw my gosh as far as the, you know, free agency, Andrew Berry said he would be aggressive. We didn't really know, you know, uh, what to expect and and he didn't waste any time obviously going out there and landing the likes of Austin Hooper and, and Jack Conklin, and and then uh, obviously in the draft. I mean, we'll see, but uh, I I don't know how you can argue with, with Jedrick Wills, and and uh, I hope Delpit can tackle. Uh, I'm a, I, I love the athlete. I'm a little bit afraid because that's a defense that that really needs to improve upon uh, their tackling from one year to the next, from last year to this year. But uh, I it's it's hard to find. A whole lot of faults right now with this uh, with this front office and and head coach Kevin Stefanski. Obviously, they need, they need to get on a field together and and need these all important reps, whenever they may be and however many they may be. But uh, so far, I, I I don't know how anybody can complain about what they've done.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I, I don't think you can complain at all. If I wanted to split hairs, I would I would have rather seen them take Antoine Winfield there and uh, instead Delbit. Uh, but that's just, you know, uh personal preference and things like that. Uh, I just thought he was a better player, uh, you know, coming out, out of 19. But if you look at the 18 tape, you know, Delpit looks uh, just as good. So he may be that, you know, that high ankle sprain. They expect him to get back to 100%, and he'll be everything that, that they thought he was going to be. Um, as far as, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, Chico, I, I was – uh I was kind of down on the hire at the beginning for a couple of reasons. First of all, I thought the um, – I don't want to get into all this because it's ancient history now, but the coaching search seemed very uh, – it, it was like a formality, and it was kind of a joke. If you're going to put Paul D. Podesta in, hiring, in charge of you know hiring, mm-hmm. uh, then, of course, he's going to get his guy. Uh, and I was hoping for Josh McDaniels. Um, so that – that was disappointing, and I thought that was kind of a farce, uh, you know, going through the motions there, even bringing those guys in. If he's going to, you know, ultimately, Josh McDaniels probably would have fired D-, D. Podesta, so he's not going to sit there in the room and hire the guy that's going to fire him. <laughs> <It> seems kind of <laughs> silly, right? Uh, but... Um, Either way, I am impressed with Stefanski. Barry is very impressive. But Stefanski, you know, he seems like that adult in the room that they've needed for the longest time, right? Um, He is uh, uh, all business and uh, intelligent. And uh, so first impressions, um, including, you know, not just talk, but including what they did in free agency in the draft. I've been very, very impressed.
0: Yeah, I think um, in terms of Stefanski and, and, and to go back that far, which, my God, now with everything going on, seems like five years ago. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah I, I wasn't, you know, I was kind of neutral. I mean, I, I did, admittedly, I wanted Josh McDaniels, um, but I think it's clear, you know, I just got done saying that, you know, these guys are working together and everybody's on the same page, and I think it was clear that if McDaniels was going to be the guy, that he was, you know, he wanted things his way. And that doesn't mean necessarily that he wanted final say on everything. And, but there were going to be changes. Like Dee Podesta, you mentioned, probably gone. Um, you know, I, I, Andrew Barry, would that work? Who knows? Um, right. so, I mean, I, I think, I think we were all, you know well this this mcdaniel's height perfect because obviously if you look at it from a a qb standpoint great relationship and and obviously great production with tom brady in new england so that's got to translate to baker and baker needs that uh you know needs that that coaching so this will be the this will be the guy to do it and you know it it's it's just much more involved in that than that and I think that you know even myself and, and others at the station we were kind of you know Stefanski isn't a big splash hire by any means Andrew Berry's not a big splash hire, but that doesn't mean that they're not very capable and um, you know it's okay to have reservations it's okay to you know say hey we've been here before so we want to see these guys prove it but I feel very comfortable. I've got to say, Brad, I feel very, very comfortable, um, you know, with all these guys. Now, again, much like we said with Freddie last year, and Freddie himself said it, uh, there's going to be adversity and there will be adversity. Um, I, I was confident that Freddie would be able to deal with that. I, I thought Freddie was going to be the guy, but clearly I was way off there. But I just think that they're going to, you know, they're going to be very, uh, very united. And I hope that trickles down and pray that trickles down to the team because if so, um, you know, I, I think they've got a lot of talent, maybe a few holes on defense, but a team that could certainly do much better than 6-10 and 10 if uh, if everybody's on the same page.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. The talent is there, the same talent's there. In fact, probably, you know, if you look at the offensive line, the talent is much improved on that side of the ball, right? Uh, I feel like I did a good job of firing a lot of one-year contract darts to the defensive side and kind of saying, hey, you know, uh, I like Carl Joseph. I like a, uh, you know, uh, a Billings, uh, a guys like that uh, that will help you for a year, and, and we can address that when we have more time. But, um, you know, the way they address the offensive line – uh, who how can you complain? The offense looks like it's going to be fantastic if all everything comes together, you know. Uh, we said the same thing last year. Although, however, this year all the power rankings have been in the 20s. <laughs> so the question there is with the no change in personnel, really, uh, and a new coach, and is that just overcorrection? Uh, all of the, the, you know,
0: everybody ranking them in the mid-20s
1: and power rankings and picking them third
0: in the AFC North? Yeah, I think to some degree. I, I And I don't see how it couldn't be. I don't blame – I don't really blame those people for doing that, um, you know, because it really is a – especially after last year where expectations were so high and, I mean, right. they just – let's face it. I mean, they pretty much just fell flat on their face. But I think to go back to – uh, what we were talking about before, and it's not picked on Freddie, but I mean the guy was inept, and I mean I I don't think any of us had any idea, you know, just how overwhelmed and and uh, and ill prepared he was to take this job. So it did, you know, obviously rub off on the offense, and and yes, that offensive line was was certainly not great last year, not even close. But you know, Freddie would constantly preach about we're going to put guys. In the best position to win, and we're gonna, you know, make make it as easy as possible. Like that's that's what he did. Not only did he say it, but he did it. The second half of Baker's rookie year, last year was just it was just bizarre all the way around. I, I yeah. you know I don't think there was much communication. Freddie seemed to be doing whatever the hell he wanted to do, which was obviously not successful. But you know, you mentioned the offensive line. I mean, it's wow. I mean, night and day, and I think. More than anything else, look, you've got the best running back tandem in the league. I don't even think that there's a question. So now if you've got those two guys in the backfield and an offensive line that hopefully can get some reps and get used to the outside zone, I mean, yeah, Baker's still going to have to make plays. But, I mean, you tell me a defense that's going to be, you know, up to the challenge of stopping that kind of a running game with the guys up front and the guys – in that backfield with uh, with Chubb and, and uh, Kareem Hunt. No question. Uh,
1: you are uh, listening to All Eyes on Cleveland, uh, the podcast. Special guest today, Mike Chico Borman, host of Chico After Dark. Make sure you tune in Monday through Friday, 7 p.m. to midnight at 92.3 The Fan. Uh, you can always go to radio.com and listen back if you're not tuned in at that time, which is a nice feature that I I like to use to go back and listen to the show if I miss it. Uh, So, um, moving on here a little bit to, let's talk Baker for a minute here, um, Chico. Four coordinators in three years, uh, a a pitiful, um, I guess that's the word to describe it, you know, when, when you talk about Freddie and Hugh and what he's been exposed to, uh, in his first uh, two years, uh, really just a bad, bad situation uh, for a young quarterback. Um, is it fair to for people that are calling this a make-or-break year for Baker? I, I, I don't think that's fair. Um, I, I would say, barring disaster,
0: he should get a fourth year. Where do you come out on Baker's leash? Uh you know what? That's an interesting point because you're you're right. I mean, we have referred to it. I've even referred to it. I think as that make or break year. Um, I I think what we're I think if you go back to last year, and you know just how disappointing his performance was and the offenses, because again, it wasn't just it wasn't just Baker. But I think when we say make or break, you know, you're <laughs> You're really hoping that he takes uh, those strides. They're not even, you know, not even that he has to be a top five QB, but you get back to seeing the playmaker and the confidence with which he ran the offense in the second half of his rookie year. And so I think if if you just see that, we don't, I I don't think it needs to be anything, you know, crazy as far as numbers. Um, Then, yeah, he absolutely gets another year. I mean, the guy's, Look, the guy's talented. Uh, I think he's a very smart QB. He doesn't—he's not very smart sometimes, as far as putting words together and talking to the media, and that's something he needs to get better at. But um, he is a very talented quarterback. I think he's proven uh, in the second half of of 2018 that he can make all the throws. Now, now comes the hard part, though, and this is where you know this is where the big boys and why they get paid big money in the NFL is, okay, now we're going to throw a lot of different stuff at you. Um, You're going to have some adversity. Now, what he had to deal with with Freddie and and Todd Munkin and the whole, you know, Munkin saying that Wednesday through Saturday what we worked on seemed to go out the window come Sunday, which, I mean, that's just, I I don't even know how to respond to that. Um, You're obviously putting it uh, a a great deal of pressure and, and really just, not even giving him a chance to succeed in that in that regard. But, you know, Baker's got to be much more mature. Baker admitted uh, that, you know, he was buying into it and, and you know, thinking that maybe this was going to be easy. And, I mean, the guys that, that are the best, uh, that are talented certainly, are also guys that are working hard, are also guys that are making this a, you know, 12-month-a-year, 24-7 type job. And if he's going to be considered – You know, in the Russell Wilson and, and, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes, and, and, you know, I don't want to go too lofty here, but essentially like a guy like Russell Wilson is a guy that lives at the facility and is a guy that, you know, he doesn't care about Twitter, doesn't care about Facebook, doesn't care about Colin Cowherd saying this or that about him. He's just working. And Baker desperately needs to do that. If he does that, man, I think, I think the sky's the limit. I do believe that he is very worthy of that number one status and, and could be a very, very good quarterback for many years. But as we've found many times with this team and over the years, you can have a lot of talent if you're not willing to work and you're not willing to have, you know, uh, be coached and have those intangibles It can all be for naught. So you hope that's not the case with Baker.
1: Yeah, um, this long bout of silence from him, that we're kind of in right now the midst of is really nice and, and i like to see that <laughs> it's, that's a I think that's a positive step i don't i don't want to you know jump the gun and and uh take that for maturity or or you know um uh, but it, at least maybe a, a baby step in the right direction uh so um i think that's good uh, I expect that this offense lends itself to him to be successful. You know, move in the pocket, the play action. A lot of what Stefanski is going to do is going to try to make things easy for him, and I, and I think that's a good, good thing as well. Um, Miles Garrett extension is being talked about. They're very hush hush about it. Chico, uh right now, I don't know if they're going to get it done this year. I'd like to see him get it done. It'll probably be the, the highest paid. Uh, defensive linemen. You were looking at what uh, Cole Mac was six years, 141 with 90 guaranteed, and I think that they're going to go over that for Miles probably um, for his extension. So he's going to, you know, and they've been very clear about wanting him to be uh, a long-term part of this uh, solution. Uh, You're all for uh, them signing him
0: uh, as soon as possible. Yeah I mean Again these things do take A little bit of time so I'm not I don't think There's a a, a race to right. get it done yeah. I think he, the Important thing is this Miles knows That this team and this Organization wants him long term And you know The organization obviously is well aware That he's a very special player I mean You know you had what happened Last year and I'm not going to lie you know When it happened I thought my god what is I, I, I don't he just lost his mind there. Now we don't know all of the <laughs> yeah. all of the details, but you know what? I, I, Miles is a, an incredibly special talent. He's an incredibly, I think he's a he's a very very good guy. I mean, he had a he had a moment that he can't have again. What that goes without saying, and and you've got to be able to keep your head. But I think that was more of a uh, an anomaly than anything. He is he, he's going to work hard. Obviously, um, he's dedicated to his to his uh, his profession, dedicated to his team. And this guy, I mean, if you're talking about a guy that can stay healthy, my God, the numbers he might put up. Because I I think at this point you're looking at a guy that is virtually unblockable at times. And yeah, um, so you know, as far as making him the highest paid, you know, defensive lineman or pass rusher or whatever you want to whatever you want to say, I mean, those things. That's kind of but where we're at in sports now, like, you know, whoever gets the next contract is going to be that guy. So Miles deserves that, in my opinion. He'll hold yeah. it for a while. Somebody else will take it. But I, I don't think there should be any hesitation, and it doesn't seem as if there is any hesitation in, uh, in, in making sure that he's a guy that they absolutely want long-term on this team. Yeah,
1: absolutely. He's on deck for that next uh, uh, huge deal. Um, and I think the Browns won't hesitate to give it to them. Um, so that's a good thing. And I agree that, you know, the, the lapse in judgment last year was, uh, out of his character at least it would appear that way. And I think, uh, I really don't think that's something that we have really have to be concerned about reoccurring again, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I feel the same way. I mean, he's, you know, look, you've got to be, I, I still wanted to be aggressive. Um, but yeah. you know, it, there's just kind of learning, you know, how to how to channel that, and you know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned, but I, I don't think that to that level we're going to see it. I, I think deep down he's, you know, he's a very very good good guy, a very uh, good teammate, and he had one bad moment. So uh, moving forward, I don't think there should be any any concerns at all about Miles Garrett.
1: You're listening to all I've special guest, Mike Chico Borman of Chico After Dark. Uh, make sure you tune in uh, at 92.3 The Fan, Monday through Friday, 7 p.m. to midnight. You can follow him on Twitter, at Chico923TheFan. I won't keep you much longer here. Uh, Chico, just one uh, or two questions here. I'll make them quick. with uh, there one... Uh, question I've I've asked to some people and it's a situation that I kind of see on the horizon coming here Um, but uh, Andrew Berry and uh, Stefanski have both also with talking about Miles being a a big part of the Browns future um, have, have talked about Odell Beckham Jr. being a part of that future now you know I'm sure they've talked with him, had meetings with him, and so far, so good, right? And they're talking about making him, you know, a long-term part of this. Do you think that them saying that is really just to kind of quiet the trade talk noise, or do you really think they mean that?
0: Good question. I think um, I think probably both. I mean, you know, any time you can, you know, quiet that stuff, and obviously they weren't happy uh you know that it was brought up in the first place, which was kind of irresponsible coming from the, the talk show host in New York that said it. But um, I, I think uh, I think they want my or they want Odell Beckham Jr. to be, uh, you know, the guy that he can be, the, the player that he can be, the talent that he can be. I think there's there's got to be some concern though if he can get back there, and 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 not just. It's not a matter of talent. It's does Odell Beckham Jr. want to be, you know, one of and, you know, how long? Like every, I think every guy can go through periods where, hey, he's a great teammate. He's saying the right stuff. But when push comes to shove, um, I've been saying this on my show a lot. Is he okay being coached as, you know, sometimes he's the, you know, he's obviously the number one wide receiver in that room. is he okay being coached and being disciplined as if he's the last guy in that room? And, Mm -hmm. you know, the reality is, look, if you're a superstar, of course you're going to get a longer lease. We all understand that. But, but OBJ is just, I I worry that he doesn't have that, you know, buy in all the time. And, and that's what concerns me. I mean, he's obviously extremely talented, but, if things don't go his way and I'm not even talking about like touches necessarily, you know, if the league, it's almost like he, he craves this stuff. Like we, you know, we hear all the time about, well, OBJ, it's, it's tough being OBJ. And he's, you know, just trying to live his life. Well, okay. Part of that, I, I, I don't doubt, you know, he's, he's under the, the public eye, but that's part of the job. But some of this, he just welcomes. It's like, you know, well the yeah. face mask deal, and he keeps it up, and he and he he has comments for that, and then the watch. Well, I'm not going to take off the watch. Just take off the damn watch. Like, yeah. who cares? I mean, right now that stuff becomes a distraction to your team. We can argue, and of course, fans, you know, obliterated me for this. That, well, he should be able to wear a watch. That's the league's fault. I'm not saying that these people aren't wrong, but at the end of the day, Odell Beckham Jr.'s number one priority has to be what's best for the team. And what's best for the team is to him and everybody else uh, not being focused on stupid stuff like that. And can he do that long-term? I hope so. I mean, last year was a disaster all the way around. So I'm not, you know, he's been in some very tough situations, losing organizations. If he wins, I get the sense that if he wins, that everything is okay. And, and I, when I say everything's okay, I mean, you know, hey, some games I'm going to get a lot of touches and, and reach the end zone, and some, games I, some days that won't be the case. Um, I want to believe that, and I think I do believe that. But ultimately, he's got to buy in. And if he doesn't, I really have confidence for the first time in a while that this regime will say, you know what, we'll move on from you. But that doesn't have to be the case right now. I don't want it to be the case right now. And I think he deserves, you know, every opportunity to prove himself a good teammate. I'd be lying if I said I didn't have some concerns in that area, though. Yeah,
1: I I totally agree with you. It was really well said, uh, the way you laid that out there about him. You know, he wasn't wasn't terrible. It's just, like, come on. It's like, you know, if I dressed up like a clown and ran around the city right now, you know, uh, on a, you know, a, a bike honking a horn and then said, Hey, why is everybody looking at me?
0: You know, it's like, it's a lot of little stuff. It's a lot yeah. of little stuff that becomes bigger stuff throughout the course of the year. I think with OBJ.
1: Absolutely. It does. It, it adds up. Now here's, here's where it gets tricky in my opinion. And, uh, and we'll, we can wrap up with this, but I want to get your thoughts on this. So say he goes out this year, go and He has a monster year, right? Yep. So we've got two scenarios. He goes out and has a monster year. Uh, tons of touchdowns, tons of yards, uh, looks like the OBJ that everybody expects to see. I think he's going to want a new deal. Um, and I think I'm pretty sure that, like, if, if you know, that if, if he's going to demand a new deal if he has that kind of year. Now, scenario two, he goes out and, uh, has a subpar year again, right? Um, In both scenarios, I can see the Browns moving on. I don't know if if the Browns would be the one to give him that new deal, and I don't know if they'd be the one to keep him around if he's subpar again because at some point, you know, to me, analytics and deep Podesta and all this stuff means salary allocation. And how long can you pay? two wide receivers, $28 million.
0: No, you're exactly right. And, and look, here's the thing. I, in, instead of, you know, because <laughs> this is, this is one of those great problems to have that the Browns, unfortunately, because they've been so awful in, in drafting and and free agency, and just as a whole organization since 99, you never had to worry about, well, you know, Hey, we've got too many guys here and, and which guy should we pay and which guy can't we pay? So this is, first and foremost, this is a great problem to have. But you're also right. I mean, it, it, there's, there's no sense turning a blind eye to it and saying it's, it's not there. It's definitely there. And that's why I think that, you know, is Odell Beckham Jr. a guy that you can go, you want to go long-term with? I think he's got a lot to prove and yeah and believe it or not a lot to prove i i mentioned about just being a good teammate but you know he's got to stay healthy um he certainly has the capability to put up a monster year as you said and if he does what do you want a new contract and i mean that's part of business you know and 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 if it's if it's not doable and the browns feel like he's asking for too much in that case well then yeah you probably move on i mean but these are the reality is the Browns have finally, finally, and this is why it's such a good problem to have, mm-hmm. talent. that, And you have guys that are c- going to be coming up for second contract. Like they never had that issue before because guys were always flaming out. Yeah. So you're going to have to make decisions. Um, you know, what happens, I, I'm with you. I don't think you can pay him and Jarvis. Right. Uh, continue to do that. You're going to have Nick Chubb up. You're going to have Baker Mayfield. You know Baker Mayfield has a uh, you know a a good year and and proves himself uh, more likely than not. You know you're going to be looking at giving him an extension. Yeah. As well, Uh, you've got your offensive line, which you're already paying a lot of money to. We already talked about Miles, so you're going to have to make
1: You don't know what year they're going to have, but they're all going to be right there.
0: Yeah, you're going to have to make those decisions. And, I mean, you know, those are decisions that teams that are very, very good and consistently good have to make. Like the Steelers always over the years, as much as we hate them, like, wow, they they let LeVon Kirkland go and they let this guy, Kevin Green, they, you know, and, and the Patriots, same thing, the Seahawks, same thing. Well, that's, that's a product of you're doing a hell of a job and you've got a lot of good players on your team but you just can't keep everybody together. You know, that's what hopefully creates the, you know, somewhat balance in the league. Um, So these are great problems to have, but I, like you, I'm going to be very interested in seeing, you know, how this plays out. Now I think what's key here is when you look at the contracts that Barry gave in free agency, you know, sure, Conklin's getting paid a lot of money and Hooper's getting paid a lot of money, but when you look at, you know, the length of the deals and also even some of the lesser free agents obviously they signed, these were not like four, five, six years, you know, huge deals where they're strapped and committed for many, many years. So I think think they're done to help this team now, but I think they're also done with the idea that, okay, hey, we've got some core guys, and hopefully that's the case. We have some core guys that we want to give long-term extensions to, Miles, maybe Denzel, Baker, possibly Nick Chubb. You never know with the running back position. Um, And, you know, hopefully you you go forward with that. But let me just reiterate that 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 is a great problem to have finally since the Browns have come into the league in 99 because, unfortunately, it's, it's never been anything they had to worry about.
1: Very well said. Uh, Good problem to have. In the end, when it it comes down to Jarvis and OBJ, I just would rather have Jarvis. I I just know that in the end. To me, he's like the heart and soul of the team. He does everything, so that's just kind of where I come out on
0: that. I agree. Yeah, Yeah. I love Jarvis. I'm with you. Um,
1: uh, Well, listen, you know, you were fantastic, uh, Chico. Um, This is uh, All Eyes on Cleveland, the podcast. You have been listening to Mike Chico Borman uh he's the host of chico after dark make sure you listen uh every night monday through friday uh seven to midnight that's that's a tough that's five hours of radio by yourself that takes some skills right there my man yeah
0: it's uh i don't know skills as much as it does just uh endurance because that can be especially this time of year with uh and what's going on but uh yeah just grateful to be able to talk sports hopefully we get uh, you know we get the guys on the field and we can really start getting going with this stuff but uh, I really appreciated you asking me buddy it was uh, a good good conversation really enjoyed it and uh, you know if you need something in the future by all means I'd, I'd love to help you out
1: well yeah, you know what I, I am one to take up that offer very Please often do. So I will <laughs> have you back there you, you did a great job we appreciate it Thank you for your time again. Any parting words for us?
0: Uh, boy, let me give some some sage advice. <laughs> or some. I, you know what? I don't think I – just stay safe. Stay Watch safe. Be kind. 20 seconds. Be, yeah, there you go. Washington. Be nice to people. Just be nice to everybody's. Everybody's going through something right now, right? So uh, Dang, try to be nice. You said it. I agree.
1: <laughs> that, that's a good one. I like
0: that one. That's good.
1: Uh Thank you so much, uh, Chief. You, you're the best, uh, and uh, thanks for giving your time. And uh, we'll talk again soon.
0: My pleasure, Brad. Anytime, anytime you want to talk, just uh, just give me a call. I appreciate it.
1: There it was uh, A interview with the One and only Mike Chico Borman Of 92.3 The Fan Listen to him Every Monday through Friday From 7 to midnight on 92.3 The Fan You are locked in and listening to All Eyes on Cleveland Mikey's on the ones and twos My name is Brad Ward I am your host Hope you enjoyed the interview, as uh, Chico did a great job for sure. Uh, I've got some other stuff to get into here uh, tonight, um, as usual, uh, before we get you up and out of here. But uh, some good stuff tonight, so we'll get to that. Mikey, go ahead and kill that. So, uh, all eyes on Cleveland. The podcast uh, can be found where all popular podcasts are found. Um, you can also um, go to the website www dot. They say too many W's. I don't know. Was that too many, Mikey?
0: Oh man! And,
1: uh, oh. Technical difficulties. Tupac coming in there. Uh, yeah, uh, all eyes on Cleveland.com is where you can go and listen to all of the shows there. Um, and uh, also be published tomorrow morning at USA Today Sports Media Groups, the com. The Browns schedule, uh, we've talked about a little bit, but. In examining it a little bit closer I have identified what I believe are the three uh, Most important games of the season Or the three game stretch that is most vital To the Browns' success, okay? So Open at the Ravens Bengals at home Skins at home, the the Bengals is a Thursday nighter on on four days rest Coming off the Ravens game, didn't do any favors there But it is the Bengals The Bengals are kind of scary uh, in that I don't know what to expect from them They did some good things in the offseason It's a good thing the Browns play them early I think, um, you know, but eventually uh, they may be a tough a tough uh, win or a tough out later on in the season. Um, but the Browns get him in weeks two and seven, which is kind of good uh, with Joe Burrow um, just getting his feet wet in the NFL. Uh, but. After that skins game is where my most pivotal, pivotal, pardon me, pivotal three game stretch uh, begins. So week four at the Cowboys um, in uh, at one p.m. They come home in week five and play a four twenty five uh, game. You might get Romo and Nance for that potentially. But uh, against the Colts at home, uh, so well not at home, but at uh, the, they play the Colts at home in First Energy Stadium. Pardon me, at four twenty-five, and then in Week Six they go to the Steelers for a one p.m. Week Seven they turn around and play the Bengals, Eight the Raiders, Nine by Texans, Eagles. Jags, Titans, Week 14, Monday night, uh, Ravens, uh, and then Giants, Jets, back-to-back at MetLife, and then um, Steelers in Week 17 at home. So, But this stretch here, so if you go at Cowboys 1, they come home, play the Colts, and then at the Steelers. Three very good teams, and where these three games land is the most critical, right? So, the first three weeks, you could come out of that any number of ways. You could come out of that one and two, two and one. You could even come out of it three and zero. Oh. Um, that would be obviously amazing. But you got the Ravens there in week one uh you know i don't know the bangles and the skins to me should be wins uh but you don't really know you could come out of that any number of ways so then you've got these tough games the cowboys at the cowboys at 1 p.m that's brutal that could be a loss who knows um you know Colts are going to be a very good team. Phillip Rivers lights up First Energy Stadium, 425 p.m. game, Uh, big game uh, there, and then at the Steelers at 1 p.m. So three really good teams that you could lose to. My fear is you come out of that three-game stretch under five hundred and... It's gonna take a job by Kevin Stefanski to keep everybody on it and in it and bought in. My fear there is you get to a point there. If say, what if you lost three in a row there, and you're uh, looking at say you lose the Ravens, win, win, and lose three in a row there. Just just throw out that hypothetical. Um, and you're looking at two and four after six weeks. You got to get total buy-in. This isn't happening again to us. This is not last year. Because you're going to get guys that were around it. here we go again. You know, um, and the, it, keeping that locker room together through that stretch Whether you come out of it above 500, at 500, or below, that's a tough stretch. You've got to keep the morale and and the buy-in and everything the same, and that's a tough, tough, tough job. It's key that the team shows its character coming out of week six, even if they're two and four. Even you know, so if if they're three and three, two and four coming out of that, you may say you lost two in a row. It, they got it, that's where th- that to me that's like a character point like circle or draw a line between six and seven. And what they do after that stretch, no matter what their record is there, Decides their season because that's that's that character check. That's what Fre- Freddie, despite being a terrible head coach, had it right when he always said, Adversity is gonna hit, right? And it's how we respond to that adversity. This is adversity is gonna hit right here. Uh, very, very likely that is some adversity is going to hit right here potentially they're staring at a two and four start in the face in my opinion and if that two and four start happens they can't say yeah here we go again same old browns same old and then they maybe they lose one or two uh, to the Bengals and the Raiders, and then they go on a bye and they come back. And, you know, it, it's, it, then you're battling uphill the rest of the season and you're losing some of the locker room. and But it's got to be full buy, in no matter what happens these three weeks. We know that through the next, all the way through the season, all the way through week 17 when they play the Steelers again at home, we are going to be in this thing. We have the talent to beat any team we play because the last three weeks of the season are very winnable. You know, you go at Giants, at Jets, Steelers, home, you can go 3-0 down that stretch. You go at Jags, um, Eagles at home, you can win. At the Titans, you can win. You know, Bengals Raiders, a two game stretch there, you can win. Bengals Redskins, you can win. But no matter what, this is your character checkpoint. Because if you come out two and four, which I, I fear, or three and three, or whatever, even four and two, you've got to. If they come out of that four and two, they're looking really good, right? They'd be a couple good teams. They, you know are almost halfway through the stadium with, with a couple of teams in front of them that are very beatable. Uh, going into a bye week, I like they have the two week two weeks off, potentially as long as everything remains the same before they play the Texans, which is good because that, that, that's going to be key. Um, that Texans team is very good. Um, so I just think this is the point in the schedule you circle. Two and four, if they come out of that two and four, you can't let the locker room go. Here we go again. Okay? It can't happen because the wins are still on the schedule to get where you need to be the rest of the way. Uh, It can't be, yep. just like last season, here we are, two and four, uphill battle. It can't. It can't happen. It's up to Stefanski. It's up to everybody in there. The buy-in has to be there. That no matter what happens against the Cowboys, the Colts, and the Steelers in weeks four, five, and six, that their character is as a team is strong enough, and they are uh, have the backbone to. Come out of that Know that they are still contenders And go win Enough games To get them in the postseason Because to me this is a playoff team But that three weeks is brutal And where it's placed After the first three weeks You could be looking at two and four It's not out of the realm of possibilities But if you can avoid that Two and four And come out of there three and three Or four and two I think you're looking good But even if you come out 2-4 and You're not done But you're going to have to show A different kind of character Than we've seen from Browns teams in the past That's my pivotal stretch uh, For the Browns You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland I'm Brad Ward We had Mike Chico Borman on earlier As our guest Mikey's on the 1's and 2's uh, a couple more topics, and we'll get you out of here tonight on our second show of the week. Hope you enjoyed uh, Nathan Zagura earlier this week, uh, as that is also available um, at our website, uh, alleyesoncleveland.com. And then, of course, uh, where any popular podcast is found, um, Google Play, Apple Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, Speaker, Spotify, all that good stuff. Um, so uh, the onside kick, uh, maybe going to the wayside. Some steam is apparently gaining behind a proposal brought to uh, the forefront by the Eagles this year uh, that um, when a team is trailing, they can. Uh, only twice a game And they have to be trailing At least in this proposal That's how it is uh, They can uh, score a touchdown And then in lieu of an onside kick They can have the ball placed At the 25 Their own 25 yard line and, and face a 4th and 15 One play Right um or one play barring a, a a defensive penalty right so um i i don't know i don't know what to make of this two times a game is the maximum i think that's weird i think it's kind of weird you you can only do it when you're losing i, I don't know i feel like that's just, that's almost like too, we're playing too much into trying to make sure these games stay closer. I get that it's really fun that on 4th and 15, you can complete a pass and get the ball back, um, but I just... It's it's tricky to me. I, I don't want it. It's almost too carnivally. Like uh, you know, I'm not going to claim to be like an NFL or a uh, football purist. I like the way college does uh, overtime versus the NFL's overtime, um, and I don't think that's too carnivally. But this just seems like. I, I don't know. One play, 15 yards, and you get the ball versus, I mean, you're taking the odds of completing an onside kick, which are minute. Two, a lot better. Let's be real. It's probably a lot better odds, significantly better odds, that you can complete a fourth and 15 play, um, which I get is probably the reason for all this. But I have mixed feelings on this. You know, Tweet me. Tell me what you think. What do you think of this? Is this a good idea? Does this make the game change the game too much for you? Do you like it? Because it will make it more exciting and closer. And It's just like, man, you can be, let's think about this. You can dominate a team all game long, running it down their throat you know playing good defense it's a slugfest right and uh you're up 13 nothing you you uh managed uh, two field goals and a touchdown but you dominated them all game and then uh here comes patty mahomes uh or whoever say uh um What's the Colts quarterback uh, Phillip Rivers this year uh, Here comes Rivers Guy catches Gets a long pass interference penalty Right They're doing away with the pass interference uh, While we're talking rules They are doing away With the pass interference review Which is a great call Absolutely quality call What a garbage rule They didn't use it anyways Um but whatever So say they get a a uh, You know Rivers puts up a long one down the field And they get a ticky-tack uh, Pass interference call They have not moved the ball all day Spot the ball at the 20 Somebody breaks down in coverage Break open, touchdown Now there's a minute left They want to do the 4th and 15 onside kick, obviously, completes a pass. Now they're in rhythm. They drive down the field, score a touchdown, and win. Is that the, in the spirit of football right there? Like, I don't know. I'm very conflicted about that. Because you want to reward the, the team that plays better, it's like okay, yeah, you want to stop it, stop it, but there's the way the NFL is now, there's so many rules to help the receiver and help the offense. It's like these last minute situations could go really hanky with this rule implemented. So, I'm 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 on the fence. Because it it adds excitement to the game. I feel like if I was watching any game in the league, I'd be like, cool, that's fine. This makes it more exciting. It's enjoyable because the team can come back later. It gives them a better chance than scoring late. You know, teams that are down, you know, anything under 16 points are really in it down till the very end, till 30 seconds left in the game. They're still in it as long as they have the ball, because they can score, go for two, complete the, uh, fifth, you know, fourth and 15, and then extend that drive down the yard to score again, another two-point conversion, now you're in overtime, etc. So you, it's keeping teams in the game for all the way to the end, you know, even if you're down two touchdowns. So... That part is fun, except if you're my team, right? Except if you're the Browns, and we beat your ass all day, and Roethlisberger pulls one out of his hat, then gets the fourth and fifth. I just, I can just see that being like, man, you know, look at the statistics. We whoop their ass all day, but somehow they win on this bullshit. Uh, you know. Onside kick Which they never would have had an opportunity to do in the past So On the fence On the fence Want to hear what you think Tweet me At Ward on Sports The show Tweet the show At All Eyes on Cleveland Let me know what you think about this Onside kick rule Finally Last stop here on All Eyes on Cleveland tonight Hope you've enjoyed I know that many of you, most of you have watched The Last Dance. We haven't talked about it on the show at all yet, but Scotty Pippen is pissed. He is oh, pissed, man. yes. Oh, he man. is furious uh, about the way he was portrayed in The Last Dance. Let's start with this. It's there's no documentary without Michael Jordan... It's commentary and all in So obviously Those of you that are saying It came across at times As Michael Jordan propaganda It's gonna lend itself to that a little bit Because you can't do it Without the guy right And the guy Likes to make sure that, that you know That he beat you right He likes to make sure that you know How good he was and he was that good. The greatest ever, in my opinion. Um, but Scotty is pissed um, at Michael and at everybody else. And many other players are. But we're going to talk about Scotty right now. Because to me, Scotty Scotty has one person to blame for, for being pissed. You know, oh, Scotty has himself to blame to be pissed. Because, let's be real, he's mad because they call him selfish. Michael called him selfish, right? Um, and the reason he called him selfish was because in 97, 98, the last dance season, um, he passed up the, his entire offseason season to did not have surgery that he knew he needed the entire off season and elected to have it done when the season started. I'm sorry, but that's selfish. If you did anybody did that today in the NBA, you would be like, "What the what the fuck are you doing?" Like, that's grounds to trade somebody or whatever. I mean, that's messed up. Let's be real, that's messed up. I, I, I mean, Scotty, oh,
0: man.
1: that's selfish. I'm sorry you called you selfish. I'm sorry your butt hurt about that. But let's be real, that's a really selfish thing to do, okay? Um, and then, you know, uh, there was some other stuff that he was upset about, but the other one that, that, that comes out is um, when he refused to go in the game after they draw up the play for coach instead of him. Alright, so that's this happened, which let's start that's a really bad look, right? Your coach Phil Jackson draws up the play for Ku coach and set a pip Pip is like I'm done. I'm not going in, doesn't go in the game. So it's really not about the team, let's be real about that, right? Like for him in that moment. It's not about whether they win or lose. It's not like, yo, what can I do to help my team right now? It's, I want the last shot. Or else I'm not even going in the game. So that's, that's as bad of a look as you can get. That's a really bad look, Scotty. That's a bad look, okay? So oh, man. now we're reliving this, right? Here's your opportunity to say, I was caught up in the game. I thought that me taking the shot would give our team the best chance to win in the moment. I overreacted. I never should have done that. I regretted it. Da-da-da. some first, first of all, Scotty is very stiff. When, in all of his answers, in all of his replies throughout the documentary, he's very stiff. There's no personality there. It, it's just very, like, it's hard to like, okay? He doesn't do himself any favors in the way that he is portrayed. Oh man! But then he really doesn't help himself. When he has the opportunity to talk about this moment, and he says that he would have done the same thing if he had to do it over again.
0: Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man.
1: I mean, what are you doing? What are you doing? Here's your opportunity. Explain it away. You'll look better. You're one of the all-time greats. He was a small forward ahead of his time with his length, his ability to facilitate. He's a fantastic player. No question about it. But the light, the bad light, the way that he was viewed in in a bad light that he's talking about, he has no one to blame for but himself. Um, The decision to not have surgery until the season started, selfish, very selfish, actually shockingly selfish. So you can't blame Michael for saying he's selfish. And then his chance to talk about this situation and in his very stiff and not relatable way says that he would do it all over the same way. Uh, Sorry, Scotty. Not gonna come across great. So there it is. He has nobody to blame but himself, in my opinion. Um, Last dance is over. Uh, they. Uh, it was an enjoyable documentary. Um, there were. There was less. Just some quick thoughts on it, and then we'll get you out of here. There was less of ninety eight. <laughs> Than I thought, right? So they filmed this whole thing. They have all of ninety eight. They got the inside scoop for the, the entire last season, right? Talked about how many hundreds of hours of footage they have. Well, they spent the majority of the documentary in other seasons. I get that you got to do that to tell the whole story, and I'm glad they did that. But really, they they did. A lot less of 98. I would have liked to have seen some more of the inside footage of 98. Anyways. Um, many people are upset saying Jordan propaganda, this, that, the other. Eh. Jordan was fantastic. Uh, you know. It, the one couple things that I came away that I didn't know is that obviously, you know, he could have been a good baseball player, basically, is what Terry Francona said. I mean, he started with 13-game hitting streak. Given the at-bats and the time, he, he probably would have made it to the bigs. Not something I knew, because everybody at the time made fun of how bad of a baseball player he was. I remember that as a kid. Um, but in watching this, that's something I didn't know. Um, and then, you know... The whole pizza thing is is really sketchy. I don't know, like, you know, he spits on his own pizza, but they say the pizza looks shady, and, you know, the story before was either he had the flu or maybe he uh, had one too many the night before at the club or whatever the situation was, a famous, famous game. This whole pizza narrative thing, I just wish they would have left that. I mean, it just seems cockamamie and half made up, and it's only corrobor- corroborated by his guys, right? So weird stuff there with the pizza thing. Other than that, it was very enjoyable. Yes, there's some Jordan propaganda in there, but that's if you wanted to do this, and, and it was worth doing for sure, Um you had to have michael and michael's going to be michael and michael's going to get you know final say on a lot of this stuff so but but pip you got nobody to blame but yourself there it is that's my thoughts on the last dance i was thought it was really good for the most part enjoyed reliving the moments more than anything um a lot of that stuff we knew i really uh you know have watched specials on, you know, the bad boys and stuff before. I'm a big Jordan fan, so a lot of this we I knew um, already factual-wise uh, and lived through some of it, uh, most of it uh, at the end, um, but uh, it was a fun ride to go through again. You got to see some new stuff, some behind-the-scenes footage, some... Crazy stories with Rodman and going to Vegas. it was all very good um, and everything like that. So I really enjoyed the documentary. But you got to know going in that it's Michael's show, right? Or else they can't do it. So it's going to lend itself a little bit to some Jordan propaganda. And then at, at the same time, Pippen... The other guys are pissed. There are some other guys that may have more of a rightful reason to be upset about the way they were shown in the documentary. I know Horace is upset um, because he talked about in episode one how, or, or what, yeah, one or two, when he came to the Bulls, it was, oh, he went to his teammates and there was women, and blow, and drugs, and, you know, and everything, and he was like, what is this, right, like, and they're call- he's calling him a snitch, like, well, I mean, the story is to just tell the story, I mean, no, honestly, if you're in the NBA in the 80s, I'm sure there's a lot of that going on, a lot of locker rooms, you know, so a lot of hotel rooms, I mean, so... I don't wouldn't necessarily call him a snitch. He's there to tell the story, right? Whatever. They wanted him to not expose that or whatever. I guess Horace didn't. I, I can't really blame Michael for exposing that. I kind of assumed that that was probably going on a lot anyways. But either way... um As far as Pippen goes, which is what the segment was initially about, and then I'm going off on my thoughts on the documentary because there's a lot there to to take in, 10 episodes worth um, of the greatest basketball player of all time. But, you know, as far as Pippen goes, very stiff, very hard to relate to, uh, unrelatable guy. Yeah, he got a bad deal, Jerry Krause, all that stuff. But the stuff that he's upset about, as far as being called selfish, sorry, bro, that was selfish. Oh, man. And your chance to kind of, you know, put yourself in a better light uh, on the not going back in the game and then saying you would do it all over again, oh, uh, man. it's just a really bad look and not a good decision, and you sound like an ass, kind of. So you did it to yourself, bruh. That's how I feel about that. This has been All Eyes on Cleveland. I hope that uh, you guys have enjoyed the uh, interview with that we did earlier with Mike Chico Borman. Um, hold on here, Mikey. Go ahead and get that. Yeah, there, there it is. Mikey's on top of his game tonight. Mike Chico Borman from 92.3 came on. We talked Browns. Hashed it all out. Uh, Love Chico. Make sure you listen to him. Chico after dark, Monday through Friday, 7 to midnight. Uh, He's always there to listen to, especially at night when you're driving around the car or whatever. He's great. Uh, Listen to his show all the time. Uh, Thank him so much for coming on the show. He was fantastic. Uh, Then we talked, uh, you know, new on Sidekick rule. I'm on the fence. I want to hear from you on Twitter. Uh, at ward on sports At uh, all eyes on Clee CLE um, Tweet at me let me know what you think About that rule The 4th uh, and 15 In lieu of uh, the onside kick And then uh, The most pivotal stretch Of the Browns schedule Weeks 4, 5 and 6 Staring 2 and 4 In the face potentially Going to need some character to get out of that Come out of it three and zero, oh. um, come out or three and pardon me, three and three, uh, four and two. You're looking golden. Come out of that two and four, which is very possible. You got some tough games there. You're gonna need that character that wasn't there last year. That backbone, that bounce back. Gonna need that. Uh, it's gonna, gonna get tested there. Most pivotal point in the season In my opinion It'll uh, be very telling As far as the way the rest of it goes It's real easy to go Here we go again Hope you've enjoyed it I think the Browns are a playoff team So I really think that They can avoid that If they come out of 3-3, 4-2 They're looking really good They got all the talent again So it's okay to be excited Browns fans It's okay, the talent's there Talent's there I like it I like what's going on so far Thank you again To Mike Chico Borman 92.3 The fan Hope you enjoyed it We're gonna get up and out of here For The one And only Mikey I am Brad Ward This has been All Eyes on Cleveland We Are Out be fine once I get it. I'll be good. Good.